Welcome back to This Week in Film. It's the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about the movies we've seen over the past seven days. I'm Nick Panunto, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's it going? Doing all right, Nick. How are you? I'm doing all right. I just told you about my weird dreams that I can't remember. That's true. uh, That's all I got going on. What, what about you? You said you had like a weird night's sleep. Oh, no. I just stayed up too late. Oh, okay. I went to bed early. Paid the that price. With weird dreams. <laughs> sounds, sounds wiser. <laughs> he had weird ghost dreams and weird funny dreams. Uh, and that, Matt, dear I'd listeners, <laughs> you know about them, too. <laughs> Matt, I assume you've seen some movie, movie or movies this uh, week. I saw a movie this week, and I watched oh, yeah. a movie. Yep, and it's called Back Country. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about that. Uh, um, most people probably don't. All right. How about you? Um, I went on a tour around the world with my movies this week. Oh. Um, I went to the Far East Japan. Uh-huh. Which I think is acceptable to say. And saw the animated film from 1993, Ninja Scroll. Uh, I don't know that one. <laughs> and I didn't really know anything about it either. I didn't know it was an anime until it started playing. Uh, really? Yeah. Uh, and then and then I went all the way to Colombia to, to see the movie Birds of Passage, which... Has its original title of, uh, which huh? has an original title huh? <laughs> in Spanish or Colombian. I assume they speak Spanish in Colombia. Para Paras de Verano, Birds of Passage. Anyway, yeah. Um, but since I saw two movies, I guess I'll go first. Uh, let's see, I'll start with Ninja Scroll. So, Ninja Scroll from 1993, directed by Yoshiaki Kawahiri. And this was a movie, um, so as you know, I've been listening to the We Hate Movies podcast. And for whatever reason, I got to this part in uh, like to to their 2014-2015 episodes where they talk about this movie a bunch. And they talk about it as if it was like this real edgy movie for like that teenagers would watch in high school. Huh. And I, I was like, oh, uh, I do. Um, I don't remember the movie, but I remember the moments in the show. And um, <laughs> and uh, so I was like, oh, I liked edgy things when I was a teenager. Uh, I, you know, like I liked watching horrible stuff and um, I'd never even heard of this. So. Uh, I checked it out and uh, it's is okay. It's pretty tame. Like um, there are some pretty awful things that happen in it. Uh, I assume you want me to talk to you about the plot. I of was the movie. gonna ask, what's the plot? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it has something to do with uh, this like traveling ninja swordsman guy. And he comes across this old man Yoda guy who can shapeshift and turn himself into a tree and his arms can stretch out real long when it, when it's convenient. Um, and he joins forces with this guy to take on, oh my God, to take on this group of other guys called demons. And their plan is, I guess... They work for this guy that the the ninja guy had beheaded a few years ago, and he put his head back on. Oh, and, yeah, and uh, and now he's stealing a bunch of gold from some Japanese group. There's a lot of there's a lot of names and a lot of locations in this movie, and I'm like, and they all kind of they all kind of sound similar, so you kind of get lost right away. But that's basically the plot is the bad guy is like the undead. He's stealing a bunch of gold because with the gold he can, you know, m- money makes the world go around. And 
and and that's really the plot. Now it starts off with this one guy whose name I don't know and and I'll never know. He works for this. God, this is so confusing. <laughs> he works for this like governor guy of like this Japanese shogun city or or something. I see. Here's the thing: is I don't know what a shogun is. <laughs> Me neither. Um. I kind of know what the difference between a samurai and a ninja is, but like I don't know what a shogun is. Um, and like the way this movie presents it is that like a shogun is like a, a syndicate almost. And I, I don't know if that's the correct interpretation, but anyway, so like the first the, the first guy that you think is the main character, he's like, hey, there's like a whole village of dead people. We should investigate that. And the guy in charge of the family is like, yeah, you should go investigate that. And he goes, I will. I will go investigate that. And the guy's like, okay, go investigate that. I'm not, I'm not embellishing. That's how long the scene takes of, like this, of them going back and forth. And the guy says, all right, I'm going to take all of our ninjas with us. And the guy's like, okay, go ahead. And so then they're having like their debriefing because they think they're going to this village where a an epidemic has struck and killed everyone. And while they're there, this woman enters and she and this guy clearly have a history. And she says, I want to go. And he goes, you can't go. You're the poison taster for some guy. And she goes, well, he's not here. And until he gets here, I can go. I'm part of your ninja group. And he's like, well, I don't think that's true. And he's like, and she says it is true. And then she takes off her headdress that she's wearing and uh-huh. cuts off and cuts off like her samurai braid and throws it on the floor. And I looked at my wife and said, this was significant in some way. I'm guessing <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you knew a bit more, I've got a if definition of Shogun for you. Yeah, okay, good. What is it? Uh, Shogun. Noun. A hereditary commander-in-chief in in feudal Japan. Because of the military power concentrated in his hands and the consequent weakness of the nominal head of state, in parentheses, the Makito or emperor, uh, in parentheses, the Shogun was generally the real ruler of the country until feudalism was abolished in 1867. Oh, Okay. So I get uh, I guess at this time Japan is is broken up into like a bunch of different little nation states and each one of these little um states has its own shogun leader. Hmm. And the uh the the bad guy of this movie is like the dark shogun or the shogun of the night or something like that. And anyway, so Back to what I was saying sure. is the this girl she cuts her ponytail off and throws it on the floor in some act of now I get to go and they're like okay and so then they're all leaping through the trees there's like thirty or forty of them and they're they're leaping through the trees like jumping from branch to tree from or is tree this kind of like a crouching tiger hidden dragon stuff a little a little bit yeah wire foo yeah I guess like they're they're but it's cartoon, so um, it's probably and, a bit less need for wire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they use way less wires, more brushes though. And uh, so they're like jumping through the trees, and uh, this the one girl who like took her headdress right. off and uh-huh. cut her hair. She's you know like flirting with the the current main guy, and one of the guys. One of the other guys says to the main guy, oh, she's so beautiful. I can see why you are in love with her. And the guy's like, shut up. <laughs> and, and, and then there's like this glint in the distance and this loud noise. And then all of a sudden, all of the soldiers start getting cut in half because there's this giant blade flying through all of them. What? And there's so much blood <laughs> like people it's like like the amount of blood stored in people in this movie yeah is like is like if you had an explosive amount of blood inside you and the only thing keeping it from just exploding everywhere was your skin and if you get 
cut in some way. <laughs> that blood is like out now and just <laughs> just like walking blood balloons. Yeah. Uh anyway, so this giant blade slices through all these people and kills like everyone except for the main guy and the girl. And the main guy and the girl confront the guy throwing the giant metal blade and he's like a rock monster and he he looks like a like the thing from the Fantastic 4 but not as friendly looking okay and basically he knocks away the guy and then threatens the girl sexually and She's like, oh, no, I don't want that at all. And then the guy attacks again. And then this is where the main guy has his arms ripped off by the rock monster. And that's (laughs) awesome when that happens. (laughs) Because you're like, oh, maybe this is not our main character. (laughs) Because his arms are being pulled off. Anyway, so that part is awesome. He's, for all purposes, dead. And then the rock monster takes the girl back to his house somewhere and then begins to rape her, which is not as awesome as ripping someone's arms out. Nah. And it is, it is gross. Um, it's gross. And she's not into it because... That's of course. kind of the definition. Yeah. And uh and it's it's horrible and it's graphic and uh yeah. Um but surprisingly, the real main character of the movie, who I forgot that we met at the very beginning for some like real quick interlude scene, he's in there in the cabin while this is going on and he like stops it and then fights the rock monster. Mm-hmm. And and that's how he and the girl meet and he rescues her. And so he like fights the rock monster. The rock monster is like invincible. So they get away. I'm sorry. The rock monster is invincible, but they still get away. And, and then, then they run into like, they go their separate ways. She like thanks him and then they go their separate ways. And then the main character whose name is Gemma or is that the bad guy? Jubei. Jubei is the the main guy, and he runs into the old Yoda man, whose name I don't know, and the old man says, hey, you're going to work for me to help stop the bad guys, and Jubei's like, I don't really want to do that, I kind of like doing my own thing, and the old man throws a throwing star into his arm and says, well, you will now, because that's a poison-dipped throwing star and if you don't come with me you're gonna die in two days and the guy goes all right i guess i'll come with you that's pretty slow poison yeah they uh they go off on their adventure and and we learn that the rock monster is one of nine demons that they'll i'm sorry one of eight or nine demons that they'll have to fight in order to get to the main boss who's the guy Gemma or, or genma um, Do they actually say eight or nine? I can't remember. Oh, okay. I can't remember if it's I can't remember if it's seven demons plus this guy Gemma or eight demons plus this guy Gemma. It's like trying to keep track of how many Horcruxes there are. Yeah. So they they go on their adventure. Eventually, they meet back up with the the girl again. After she she goes back to talk to their shogun, the the guy who sent the first guy on his quest, and he's like banging this girl, and it's graphic, and and she she's like, "Hello, I I have a report for you," and he's like, "Ugh, what?" And he's just like standing behind this girl who's bent over, and she gives him the report about how everyone's dead but her, and he's like, "Okay, well." Go find out some more information about it before we send out our armies. And she goes, okay. And then the guy goes back to banging that girl. And so then she's back on her mission. And eventually she and the main guy cross paths again. And then they all, the three of them, 
team up to fight these other guys. The rock, they come across the rock monster again, and the 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 main guy like dispatches him easily. But it turns out that it wasn't because of his excellent sword play. It's because the main girl is poisonous. Like she, because mm. she's the she's the chief poison taster for <laughs> <What>? the. <laughs> that's her job. She's chief poison taster for like the king or or something. And uh, because of all that, her skin is soaked in poison, and anyone who touches her will will die of poison. And that's what happened to the rock monster while he was molesting her, is that he got poisoned, and it just so happened that it affected him during that fight, and he fell apart. Yeah. So. Oh, I guess that's convenient for that <laughs> yeah. fight. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, who would have thought that rocks would be susceptible to poison? Well, he kind of turns into a rock when he's ready to fight. When he's ready for love, he's kind of just a big man. Oh. Yeah. Like we all are. We all put on our rock skin before we rape someone. And so he... So they kill this uh, rock monster, and you're like, wow, if that was the first guy they have to fight, what are these other seven going to be? And they're mostly lame. They're all they're all mostly lame. Like at one point he fights like a blind swordsman in a bamboo forest. Uh-huh. And it, it takes like 30 seconds and the swordsman dies cuz he's blind. There's another guy. Oh, oh yeah, there's there's this one girl that they fight who controls snakes with her with her mind. And mm. that's that's kind of cool. Like the movie has a lot of cool imagery. And some pretty cool animation. And when action stuff is happening, the movie's pretty pretty good. When no action is happening, it is boring. It is so boring. And but like the sequence with the snake woman, she's naked and she's got snakes all over the main guy, and she's like torturing him for information. And then the girl shows up right behind her, and out of the snake woman's vagina comes this other snake. Hmm. And and it bites the main girl in the leg, and then the main girl kills her. But the poison doesn't affect her, and the main guy is like, are, are you okay? He tries to suck the poison out of her leg, and she kicks him in the face, which is funny. And she goes, I'm fine. I'm immune to poison because I'm soaked in it, or something like that. And he's like, uh, all right, let's continue on our adventure. Anyway, so then there's like other monsters. Like there's this one one monster who's like a Freddy Krueger nightmare, where he like lives in the shadows and he's got like a metal claw hand and some like weird imagery all over the place, which was kind of cool. They kill him easily. There's this other guy. Hey, how who, long is this movie? Because it's an like hour quite a... and a. It's what? ninety minutes. It's ninety minutes. So this is just like lightning speed. Oh, yeah, it doesn't stop, huh. uh, except for when it does stop, and it feels like it's not doing anything. Uh, there's there's another bad guy who uh-huh. he can control hor- or wasps, and they all live in his back. Like, like all the Ooh. wasps in the all the wasps in the world live in this nest that's built into his back. Oh, that sounds and disgusting. It is. And then the main guy knocks him into the water and the wasps start freaking out and they sting their way through the other side of the guy, which was graphic. That's weird. Yeah, it was gross. And then there's this other lady who her face is all covered in scars, but they don't they never address it. Like she has the power of gunpowder or something. She can explode. No, she kind of just throws gunpowder and then she has to like light it. To, like, make things explode. That sounds really ineffective. <laughs> yeah. It's like Pyro from the X-Men, where, like, he can't make fire, but he can control fire. So he has to have, like, a flamethrower on his back at all times so that he has fire at the ready. Uh-huh. So there's that guy. And then there's, like, the boss of the demons who has, like, this little string that he can throw around people's necks and it electrocutes them. It also serves as a telephone. <laughs> which what? sounds even more ridiculous than it is in practice. And then finally, the the boss of, of all the levels is this guy, Jemna, 
or Genma, who the main guy had decapitated in a previous battle, but he's back now. He also has a robot arm and a robot leg, and they have this big fight on a boat, and the main guy just gets punched in the face over and over and over again. But he's fine. He gets hit in the face with his robot arm so many times, and he's just fine. And he, and he like, just, you know, they have their big climactic fight. Yeah. This this movie, that's really all I have to say. I don't know. I mean, I could talk forever <laughs> about this movie. I'd say it's worth checking out, but only for the action stuff. Because when there's nothing happening on screen, like, literally, it's the cheapest looking animation where, like, the head isn't moving, but the mouth is doing the same two frames of animation uh-huh. where, where it's like open or closed, open or closed. But when there's action stuff happening, it's, it's gorgeous and it looks amazing. The sto- the story is pretty stupid, but like the action looks great. The, the sexual violence in the movie is pretty messed up. Yeah. It sounds like it. I, I honestly, I expected a lot worse going into it because I was like set up for like this real graphic kind of movie. So, I don't know. I don't want to say it was a letdown, but um, I was like expecting a lot worse than what we actually saw. Uh-huh. So, I guess that's a plus. Yeah, it's it's probably worth seeing. I, I didn't hate it. I just kind of thought when nothing was happening, it was really boring. Yeah, Ninja Scroll. All right. Yeah, uh, that's really all I got to say about that. I might skip that one. <laughs> Between between the sex stuff and the the wasp thing, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like enough imagery I don't need. It was yeah. no wonder you're having funk ass dreams. <laughs> so, Backcountry is a movie from 2014, starring Missy Peregrim, Jeff Roop, and Eric Balfour. And if you don't know who those people are, then you are like me. Except for the Eric Balfour guy who's in it the least of the three. He's been in, like, he was on 24 for a while. He's one of those faces where you're like, oh, I've seen that guy in something else. But this is a movie that's based on a true story. I'm not quite sure to what degree. Could be that there was once a couple who went camping. Um, But there's... This is a kind of a suspense movie. I, I don't know if thriller is the right phrase, but it's definitely about suspense. It's sort of it when you look at the whatever you would call it, the title card, I guess, like you know on on Netflix, it seems like the I guess it'd be the the box cover. There's just no box. It seems like, like you know art. It, yeah, there you go, cover art. It seems like you know what it's about. But then once the movie starts, there's some other conflict that arises, and you're like, I'm not quite sure if this is about that or if this this is about... I'm not quite sure what the conflict's meant to be here and who the antagonist is, or who or what the antagonist is. And I suggest not watching the preview, because I actually watched... I watched the movie almost a week ago, but I watched the preview for it, or the trailer last night and i was like oh well the trailer totally doesn't allow for that to happen (laughs) so don't watch the trailer spoiler alert do watch the movie so this couple decides to go to the woods i'm not sure where exactly they are they might be in canada but it's pretty clear that the husband is the one kind of directing this trip he's like yeah i went I used to live in this area. I used to go hiking in these woods all the time. And there's this like special lake that he wants to get to. And it's kind of implied that the wife is kind of a phoneaholic. Like she's just always checking her email and stuff like that. To be honest, that that makes it sound like she's annoying. And I don't think that's the case at all. But he's trying to get her to, you know, focus on their their vacation trying to get her to disconnect yeah yeah unplug hang out see this special place get in get in touch with nature and you get to kind of see how they get along with each other a a bit in their car ride there and then throughout the movie 
there are threatening circumstances. And it's it's a survival movie, eventually. <laughs> yeah. Is it a horror movie? Uh, you know, I, I don't know what you would... I don't know what you would categorize it as. I think maybe thriller or suspense thriller. Suspense drama? If that's a thing, that's where it would go. <laughs> suspense okay. drama. So, so you're kind of with them trying to survive for the rest of the movie. Here's what's not so great about this movie. I'm, I'm going to do the bad than the good. One thing that kind of hit me right away is that they, they wanted to do creative stuff with camera, you know, like like uh, cinematography wise, unnecessarily. <laughs> like there are a lot of <laughs> shots where you're like, I don't know that we need a Dutch angle right now. Just really for no reason, as far as I could tell. I think it is a good movie to have handheld, you know, going on in it because it might feel more like you're there hiking with them. It's just it's just a little over the top. One of the other not so great things, and when I say not so great, I really mean that it's not. There's there's really nothing about this movie that's outright bad, but the the pacing it it doesn't feel like it's like all over the place, but it doesn't have the the kind of rising action, you know, or the the uh, accumulation of drama or tension throughout the movie. Within their relationship, they hit a point where their annoyances with each other really come out the most. And it's it's present throughout the movie, but it feels like it just hits a peak all of a sudden. And it, and it sort of makes sense that it would hit when it does, because they they realize they're lost and it sort of happens all at once. But it but it feels a little strange, you know, like that the the tension like hits this peak so suddenly it it could have probably been amped up a little bit more leading up to that point and and more in the most general sense the action of the movie or things coming together it just it's very last 10 minutes of the movie ish and then and then it sort of resolves or ends pretty quickly but like i said it it's not outright bad or anything it's just a little bit just a little bit strange. It's a short movie, so it doesn't. It, it's not uncomfortable. It's not real frustrating or anything. And the male character, I I can't quite figure out. I don't think it's the actor, but I I'm not a hundred percent sure. Um, between the two of them, he's the the weaker actor. But I think it's probably more the the way the character's written. He's just annoying, mm-hmm. and. So you're kind of with the two of these characters and you're like, I don't know why she tolerates him. <laughs> like, it's just like, I, I wish we were on this trip with some other guy. Go get, get a different boyfriend. Let's, let's come back later when you have that on the flip side though. Is he, uh, yeah. Is he trying to take her to this magic spot to propose to her or something? Well, don't you just like to spoil things? Nick? <laughs> Um, yes yes as a matter of fact spoiler alert yes i do (laughs) but she doesn't know that (laughs) oh okay you should pretend that you don't too okay the good so here's here's the good stuff in this movie the the female character is well written and the actress is really good i i looked through the imdb to see what else she's been in and she's had a fair amount of acting gigs but it's like nothing real big and it's a shame at least based on this movie, like she's a, she's a really good actress. She, I think made the character even more likable than it actually is because of her performance. The, the relationship's a little bit more believable. So even though the guy's kind of annoying and you're like, ugh, why would anyone be dating this guy? He's so annoying. Um, it's pretty understandable that like these two actually love each other in spite of the fact that they're kind of, you know, bickering here and there. So it's, it's a pretty believable relationship, but uh, seriously, I think there's some point maybe halfway through the movie or, or maybe a little bit more towards the end that like I turned to Karina and I was like, she's really good. And she's like, yeah, she's a good actress. The suspense throughout the movie is another highlight because it does do a really good job. I think of kind of keeping you on edge 
or or prompting you to be kind of on the edge of your seat again. It's it's not nonstop, but when it's when there's something to make you feel like, ooh, I don't know what's coming or where it's coming from, it's it's really effective in that way. I, I would definitely recommend this movie. Just again, don't don't watch a preview. And in spite of the camera stuff being pretty unnecessary a lot of the time, there is one shot that I liked so much that it's worth mentioning. <laughs> it's just the the camera's looking up into the trees. There's another similar shot earlier in the movie that's not that good, but then there's just this one shot where they're looking straight up a tree, and you're kind of seeing how the branches of these trees sway and, and, and line up with each other, and it's just a really nice shot. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Definitely, definitely check it out. Uh, especially, you know, if you've got, I think it's only like an hour and a half because it, it felt short. If so maybe you said this and I and I missed it, yeah. but they they go on this hike in the woods to the magic place, but they get lost. Like what what's the what's the conflict? Well, that's that's what I'm trying not to specify. Oh, um, okay, because there are. There are two threats that seem present throughout the movie, and you're not quite sure, like, are they going to be running into, like, nature? Are they going to be running into another person? What's what's going to be the problem here? And and that, I think, is the point of, um, you know, when I say it doesn't come together much until the end, it's really near the end that you go, oh, okay, so this is what it's about. This wow. is what the problem is. But... But they are lost, so that in and of itself is like, oh, okay. Um, well, are they going to make it back? So I, I, I can I can understand your question, but that's part of the experience of the movie, I think. Okay, gotcha. Uh, yeah, and I'm trying to, to to double check here to see if it's actually as it might even be shorter than I thought. Nope, it's an hour and thirty two minutes. Uh, so yeah, if you've got a little bit of time to kill. And you want something that's interesting, but just super, super simple. I mean, you could totally walk out of the room and, you know, get a snack, get a drink, maybe go to the bathroom or something, come back and be like, yep, I know exactly what's going on. This is a good movie for that. Okay. All there, right. Well, and there, there is one moment that stands out. It's from early on in the movie. I think it's actually from right before the title card comes up wherein they are kind of bickering a little bit. And then the guy turns on this incredibly annoying music. And I think that was the moment where I'm like, I hate this guy. (laughs) And and she is looking at him like, you need to die. Like he, He turns on the most annoying music and he's singing along. And it's just, it's, it's almost something out of like creep. We're like, Oh man, this is awkward for me. The viewer. (laughs) <laughs> His wife just seems to hate him, which I understand, her girlfriend. But then she starts singing along, and you're like, oh, okay. Okay, all right, cool. But it's it's a it's a short shot, and it's, I don't know, it's fun. Yeah, check it out. I know you'll probably watch something god-awful instead, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, she's very attractive, Nick. Oh, if we that, didn't say that. that'll get you to watch it, yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, what was that horror movie we both liked? The uh, Descent? The, oh, no, you haven't no, seen it. No, The Blonde Lady. No, I still haven't seen The Descent. That movie's like 20 years old, too. A um, horror movie with The Blonde Lady? With The uh, the Happy Death Day to you. Oh, yeah. She's like an awful person, but the actress is really good. Oh, yeah, she's, she's a great like, actress. She should yeah. be in more. Yeah. So, yeah, Happy Death Day to you, Get Out. The Descent stuff Nick should watch that actually is really good. <laughs> I'm going to watch Betrayed again. Good, good. I can't wait, can't to, wait, can't to, wait to watch it. Betrayed again. <laughs> 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 All right, so that brings us to the second movie that I watched this week on my world tour of film. Birds of Passage, or Parajos de Verano, directed by... Christina Gallego and Ciro Guerra, or Guerra. Is that a phrase? Birds of passage? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because <laughs> it, it sounds like it should be like Birds of Prey or something, but... I, I mean, the title does not give you any hint about what the movie is about. And when you're done watching the movie, you think, why is it called that? Because there are no... Well, there are birds. Yeah. I'll get to that. Are they uh, like? Are there people who are like like coyotes that help people get from Mexico into America? Is, is there something like that? No. Huh. Nope. So the so passage movie, part's a mystery too, huh? Eh. So this movie is was filmed in Colombia. I had the actual name of the location because I realized that all I know about Colombia, I think, came from the movie Predator. <laughs> and I'm just assuming that 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 movie was filmed in Colombia, and I bet it was just some soundstage in Los Angeles. Okay, filming location is La Guarira, Colombia. And La Guarira is a tough place to grow up. It's mostly, it feels like it's mostly desert. On the outskirts of it are like, large forest but where the, this movie mostly takes place is in like this desert deserty era area or very arid location mm-hmm. but the the basic plot of this movie is the main guy whose name is rap rapayette who's played by jose acosta and i'm sorry jose but jose was the worst actor in this movie the main character was the worst actor in this movie oh that's not he's good. he's on. Un- He's just bad, just terrible. Everybody else was really good, but this guy's really bad. But he plays this guy, Rapayette, and he's like this ambitious worker guy. Like He, he basically does errands and, and, and drop-offs for people. Also, it's the 70s. And he and his friend Moises are at like a bar, you know, like they just got done doing like a hard day of work of like moving a bunch of com- of coffee beans because I guess, you know, Colombian coffee is yeah yeah that's what huge. i think of and yeah they have to move so much coffee it's it's insane how much there is and so anyway it's the end of their work day and they're they're chilling out and they're at this bar and these two white people show up like this guy and this girl and they apparently are in the peace corps which was a, a new concept at the time and they're basically looking for weed and they keep asking the bartender, hey, you got any weed? And the bartender's like, nah, because I guess it's not super prevalent then. Mm-hmm. And the, the main guy, Rapayette, says, I I can get you some. And the, the white guy's like, okay, we could use like 50 kilos, which is a lot. That sounds like a lot. Yeah, especially for like a first time kind of thing. So Rapayette has like a cousin who owns a drug farm. So so here's the other thing is that Rapayette is a I can't find the name. He's like an indigenous guy uh in Colombia. Like I don't want to say Indian because it's not correct mm-hmm. in in any way. And his friend Moises is I guess of Latin descent and he's not part of their tribe, so they call him God, I should have wrote this stuff down because there's so much terminology that we don't use. Yeah, that they that they use constantly. Mm-hmm. Basically, the the word that they use for the Moises and like all these other people is outsider, and the indigenous people don't like outsiders at all. And so the fact that Rapayette works with this outsider is a problem. And you get from moment one that Rapayette is the nose to the grindstone, let's get the work done guy. Uh-huh. And that the Moises guy is the, hey, man, I just want a party guy. And you're like, oh, I know where this is going to go. So basically, they, they make an arrangement with uh, the dude's cousin to buy all this weed. And then they sell it to the white people. And there's like this other white guy there who's like interested. And basically, long story short, they they start this huge cartel industry. Mm -hmm. Like you expect, things go well for a time. And then all of a sudden, things start going bad. Is it because because of the chill guy? Yep. Ah. Chill guy takes things a little too... Well, the chill guy takes things way too far (laughs) and ruins everything. And you're like, of course he did. You stupid, you useless guy. You stupid guy. Like, you're just like, you You had it. You had everything, guy. 
You, 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 all you had to do was just not be yourself. He's like that <laughs> that that sort of like quintessential brother-in-law that's just a useless lump on the couch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like he like he's he's useful, but like for whatever reason in this one scene like he gets like the power he's got goes way to his head and he kills the wrong people. Ah. And and Raphael is like, "Oh my, why would you do this?" What what are you doing? And he's like, "Cause we need a plot." Yeah, the and then there's the like got a movie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that's the other thing is I don't I could not figure out if this is based on a true story or not. Like it really just kind of feels like a Colombian Godfather movie where it's like it takes place during this time, but all the characters are fictional. But like things start going from bad to worse for our main character. He has a wife and two children, and his mother-in-law lives with them. And she is a vision seer for their tribe. And she has like dreams about the future and stuff. And he takes her, her visions and, you know, like she says, Oh, I see death approaching. And, and then like all this death happens kind kind of stuff. So anyway, the main guy ends up having to kill his friend Moises, right? Oh, as like punishment because things like i said things go from bad to worse and he's got to go he kills him the same day his wife is having their baby and before he can touch his new child the mother-in-law's like no 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 you're covered in the blood of that dead guy you can't touch the baby otherwise you'll curse the baby and he's no, like here okay, i was well. thinking the baby rose from the ashes like a phoenix it's <laughs> moises too and so he's like, okay, well, I guess I will go take a shower. And she goes, no, 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 you got to go show the drug guy that you killed this guy <laughs> and that you're covered in his blood so that he'll believe you that he's dead. And he's like, ah, okay. So then like, I have to drive like three hours with him covered in this dude's blood to go visit his cousin. It's kind of stupid. There's this one character... Uh, in the movie and the movie takes place over like 20 25 years and there's like this kid character who we get to watch grow up throughout the movie he starts out as just like this cute kid and then by the time he's an adult he's just an ass Uh i guess one of the rules that these tribes have is that the leaders of the tribes have uh, if they have a daughter no one can touch her She's like an untouchable kind of thing and until you like pay the dowry to marry her. Also, the dowry is like 30 goats and two cows, which pretty good bargain. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so like this kid Leonidas is drunk at this party. Oh, he's drunk at the uncle's brother's second wake where they dig his body up out of the ground and replant his bones, which... Which is a tradition that I am unfamiliar with. So if that's like a normal thing for for your culture, more power to you. I found it shocking. I have to say, if that is a thing, I am surprised. Yeah. And they, they do that thing where like they dig up the bones and then they put them in a bag and clean them. And then they replant them in a different cemetery. And then they have like another big party. And at this big party, the Leonidas kid basically gets handsy with the drug lord's daughter and causes great shame among the Rapayets family and they have to like flee and then they have to apologize and and basically the drug lord says we'll we'll say everything's cool if you give me all this stuff plus that kid has to come work for me for 2 weeks and Rapayets like uh fine so they send the kid off to work for him and everything's going fine until like the kid bribes somebody to get him some alcohol and the Leonidas kid gets drunk, goes walking around and he finds the drug Lord's daughter and it's unclear what happens, but I think the implication is that he rapes her, Mm -hmm. which is terrible. And then it's like full scale war between the two, the two factions of this family. And then it's it's at this moment the movie goes from from A to C where you're like okay I'm on board and then like you you understand how an American crime movie works uh-huh. and then but this is not America and then this is like you know like indigenous tribes who have like their belief system that's set up and it's spiritually based and all this stuff 
And so they're making decisions based on that. And like this guy, the main guy lives in this mansion in the middle of a mud field or like a dried mud field. And you're like, you could have planted one tree. You could, I mean, just one tree would have really helped you out here. Anyway, inside the house, he like is always in his office and he's always talking to somebody. And then there's this giant bird walking around. And I said to Jill, I was like, oh man, look, they are bird rich. They're so rich. They've got <laughs> birds walking around, but no one ever addresses the bird. And, and later on in the movie, Jill goes, I don't think that bird's really there. I think that bird is the ghost of his friend because he keeps talking about how he's always talking to Moises. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, and then this bird is just with him wherever he goes. And I'm like, oh, man, I think you're right about this bird. And then I was like, oh, they're not bird rich. He's just crazy. And so but it's this giant bird like it's a bird that's like not not like ostrich big, but way bigger than a chicken. And it looks like a like a small velociraptor, but with feathers. And anyway, it's just walking around, just tip <laughs> tiptoeing around. So the, the movie keeps going, and I don't want to like spoil all of it, but it was definitely worth checking out. It is yeah. a foreign film, so you have to watch it with the subtitles on. Sure. But it was very, it was very good. I really enjoyed it. All of the acting, except for the main character, is really good. It's an amazing glimpse into like a completely foreign culture you get to see colombia like i had never seen colombia before did do you ever watch the show modern family no one of the characters on modern family is from colombia and she always talks about she's like in my village in colombia and she talks about how terrible it was yeah but like in a in a funny way and you're like you're like okay and then you're watching this movie and you're like oh my god if this was her village like how did she even get out of there and you're like, oh man, but Colombia is like a huge company, a huge country. So, you know, it's probably not all like this, but Colombia has got its issues. And I guess this movie takes place when the, the drug trade was first starting to pick up. So it's before all of the, the terror that became Colombia, but it was, it's, it's a very good movie. It's not as deep as I think it wants to be. It's no Godfather or anything like that, but it's, it's very good. It's, very interesting and uh i would highly recommend checking it out and it's only two hours long like it's a it's it's a it's a long two hours like it feels its length but it's it's interesting and the whole time you're like i'm into this so uh yeah birds of passage is, is totally worth your time i think all right i don't know when i might be in the mood for that but but it sounds interesting yeah we we turned it on because it was like the first thing listed and we were like what do you want to watch I don't know. And I was like, we could watch Get Out. And Jill's Jesus like, Jesus Christ, uh, Nick, you <laughs> son of a bitch. And, and we it's could literally watch like Get Out or The Descent. <laughs> um, but like, like I have this thing that just says, shows a random movie. And this was the first thing listed. And we're like, ooh, Birds of Passage. What's this about? And we just started it not knowing anything about it. So it was like a wonderful treat. But that's also how we were presented with Betrayed, too. Yeah. Where it was like a, the random movie, and we, we were wonderfully surprised. But this was good in a different way. In a, in a, in a good in way. In a good way. Yeah. It's good in the traditional sense. Yeah. So that brings us to the part of the show where we add to our movie rankings list. This is a list that we've been, each of us has been compiling since the end of December of 2018. Every time we add a new movie to the list, it has to be either better or worse than a movie already on the list. And I'll go first, and I'm going to put Birds of Passage into the new number 27 spot between Iron Man 3 and Mission Impossible 6 Fallout. I'm going to give this movie three stars. And it's a total recommend. Uh, slash, I liked it. Now, the, <laughs> the other movie that I saw was Ninja Scroll. And that movie is going to go down in the number 57 slot between Batman Ninja, which was not intentional, between Batman Ninja and The Christmas Chronicles. And I'm going to give this movie two stars. And I would say it's worth checking out. 
Uh, just just for the exploding bodies of blood is worth the journey. It is fun. That's my list update for this week. Matt, you saw one movie. Where would you like to put it? I just figured out that it fits best between movies that it's got nothing in common with whatsoever. The John Wick movies, uh, two and three, and Spider-Man Far From Home. So going into the number 16 spot between Spider-Man Far From Home and John Wick 2. Okay, maybe I need to just write down that John Wick 2 comes after John Wick 3. And how many stars would you give this movie out of five? I'm going to give it three. Three stars. And would you recommend slash like it? I would, definitely. Yes. All right. I'll hit the yes. Now, if you're interested in seeing our movie ranking list, you can check out, try and find us. This is the easiest way to do it is just try to find us on Letterboxd. We're This Week in Film on Letterboxd. You can find us there. I would say go to the website, but I've been having issues with that website. Also, if you know how to do internet things, why can't I see anything I'm typing on WordPress? Because I would love to update our website, but cannot figure out why I can't. I also can't find a button for help on WordPress. So, uh, <laughs> I was just going to say, it might be a good <laughs> idea to talk to WordPress. I, I've looked. There's nothing that says huh. contact us or anything, but maybe I haven't looked deep enough. Yeah, so uh, that's annoying. Um, Matt, anything for Midwest Matt recommends this week? Yeah, 100%. The new Tool album is incredible. So, yeah. Oh, my God, I love it so much. I haven't listened to it yet. So it's an hour and a half. I think it's got like five actual songs. Like the, uh-huh. the, it's got a couple of those interlude things where there's like sounds or whatever for four minutes or so. Every song, I'm, I'm pretty sure that every single song that's actually a song is at least 10 minutes. And they're all great. And there's one in particular called Invincible. That I, uh, I think it's like... It's about like masculinity and they're not really being a place for kind of old school bullying warrior warrior type mentality. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what it's about, but it's so good. Oh my god, there's counts like the uh, the time signatures are are all over the place throughout the album, and it's just great. Okay, I, I can't say enough about how awesome it is. Like I'm, I'm driving around and like it's, I haven't listened to podcasts much this week because I've just been listening to Tool, and I'm like, yeah, I want to turn the music up louder than I have in years. Or I just like I want to be obnoxious, like uh-huh. not not to be obnoxious. I just want to turn it up so loud that it's like shaking my bones. Right. Okay. So check it out. It'll feel like you're 16 again. Oh, okay great yeah my knees work then that'd be awesome see all right well i guess that's gonna do it for the big show well if that's the end of the reel we'll see you next week in film see you then